Welcome to episode 15. Here in the Indigo Tent, we are on a constant journey toward connecting with our higher selves. One of the roadblocks we encounter on that journey comes in the form of problems, big ones and small ones that eat away at our ability to think, and so we start to feel scrambled. Albert Einstein tells us that one cannot solve a problem with the same level of consciousness that created it. Join us in the tent as we attempt to unscramble our thoughts and rise to a higher level of consciousness. Welcome, Zella. Yes, and you're still here in Texas with me. What a joy. I love it. It's so fun to actually have live conversations. It is. It is. And to eat meals together and to run errands together, all the things that we've enjoyed the past few days. Been lovely. And... Thinking about that, you have been here during the time of curfews and upheaval. Um, in fact, the, I live in Arlington, and so we um, we have been struggling with how to deal with the social unrest that has has um, migrated from the big cities apparently to Arlington. And um, some vandalism has occurred in this area. But we want to, instead of focusing on the destruction, we want to talk about solutions. So. Mm. Yes. And, you know, this is, this is something that, that has weighed on my mind for years and years. Um, you know, there's like this problem, and it hits, and, and we want to either point fingers for blame or we want to like quick fix solutions because we should know how to fix this, right? And it occurs to me that as I've lived a few years, just a few. Yeah, you know, one or five decades, <laughs> that there's a little bit more to that process before we can jump to a conclusion or a solution or tell everybody how to fix something. First, we need to really spend some time gaining some understanding. I mean, in the way, like Einstein's quote says, we can't begin to solve a problem like we're, when we're still stuck in, in the symptoms. In the problem, yeah. Right. And, and right now, we see a lot of symptoms out there, as, you know, and we're not even seeing all the symptoms. Mm -hmm. We see symptoms in the news. We see symptoms in conversations, on social media. Lots of people are seeing the symptoms. But do we really understand what is going on? What is really going on? The nature of the problem. Mm -hmm. One thing that Wendy and I have been talking about is we've looked at social media as our different friends and acquaintances on Facebook or Instagram or celebrities that we that we like to look at. Um, one thing that I noticed, a relative's young daughter um, made a statement on on Instagram that was she. It was very heartfelt, and she had a lot of good observations. But one thing that struck me is that she is a white girl herself, and she said that all white people needed to shut up and. I realize her passion and her concern, and I get where she's coming from, but I, I also know as a 58-year-old woman who taught 
at a predominantly African-American school and dealt with the children and their parents, most black people would be offended at that statement in reality, that a white, a white girl is trying to even shush a community when she doesn't, and she admitted she doesn't understand their perspective because she hasn't lived it. But anyway, that, it was just an interesting observation, not criticizing her, not judging her, just watching how a young person is trying to maneuver through this. And then on the other hand, you all know I've, I've uh, recommended Tiffany Jenkins on several podcasts. That woman is amazing, hilarious, gifted, talented. Anyway, she, she felt the need to come out and make a statement that all lives matter because she was criticized for not saying that black lives matter. And she admitted that she struggles with anxiety and depression and from her perspective, she was doing the best she could, but just because she's a celebrity doesn't mean she has the answers. And then she said something that we all know is really the answer to any solution. Love, kindness, and then we wanna go back and we wanna think about, and we're gonna get into that, we wanna talk about some of the things that Tali Ben David, our bias expert, some of the things that she encouraged us to think about with stereotype thinking and what is really the underlying current in that inner dialogue that's going on with us before we ever even have a discussion about anything. Yes, let alone a very long, volatile, generational issue in our society. Absolutely. I mean... We can't even solve our small problems, let alone the big ones. You know, so right. <laughs> whoa, <So laughs> whoa, Nelly, as they say. So one thing we want to do is we want to use one of our systemic type of of trainings, and we want to zoom out, and then we want to zoom in and give you an example of big global perspectives, and then narrowing it down to how you can help on a on a smaller smaller level. So yeah. if I zoom out. And I look at the tsunami that happened in 2004. I was teaching in Burleson, Texas at the time, third graders. And I remember this was a huge event, huge event in the world. If you all recall, over 240,000 people died. That's more than died from the coronavirus. Incomprehensible. Right. And they died all at once in in a, well, I'm sure some died from injuries later that were sustained. In a matter of hours or days. Right. And that changed in an entire, not only population, culture, region, but we had this global awareness of Mother Nature being a very volatile force. And of course, we sent money and, and, and effort and aid as a nation, but I remember our school, um, our children, m- my students collecting money that we sent over to, to some charity to try to help. So that was a big zoom out, a big global awareness of problems, and mm-hmm. then zooming in. Yeah, and then and then the zooming in factor is is yeah, it, it's there's that big essence of the problem. But then, what about our day to day life? Can we make a difference in in one moment? And that can be as small as how do we 
how do we even treat ourselves? How do we act to ourselves? And then from there, how do we interact with those around us? Right. I mean, yes, we all have this emotional turmoil going on, and maybe we don't know what to do with it. But we got to start from the self first. How am, you know, like the questions I could ask is, how do I actually feel about all of this turmoil going on? What am I, what am I reacting to? And even more importantly is, are those reactions coming from me? Or are they coming from somewhere else or Mm -hmm. something else or maybe somewhere in the past Mm, that's a good one right whose reactions are these Mm -hmm. and that when I you know it's like it's been on my mind a lot in the last year well not enough but Mm -hmm. (laughs) but to really consider the reactions that I feel are they truly mine or are they given to me Mm mm-hmm and, and so that's one thing to really look at. And kind of a, a fun, not fun, but uh, I'm reminded of the conversations I have in my classes at college uh, with the course that I teach, marketing research. Well, that kind of research, designing surveys and, and gathering that type of data for from a business perspective is about trying to solve problems right and zoom in zoom in and zoom out and so we talk interesting same time right yeah because is the problem uh you know there there was well one quick example which i i enjoy sharing with the students is okay so we have symptoms but to some people the symptom is the problem Mm -hmm. and so i share an example uh about well it, it came from um major retailer Walmart and they collect oh my goodness um, two something petabytes of data that's mm. like beyond beyond it's a comp- incomprehensible but how much data they collect every hour and yet they're they're in their sales reports they could see that something was going on with avocado sales in one particular store in happened to be San Antonio hmm. where typically it's it's avocado it's it's quite an avocado country cuz you know we like our guacamole there yes <laughs> and so you know first off you might say oh well sales are down well well there there must be something else the other people are doing you know the other competitors maybe somebody else is having a sale maybe maybe uh, the avocados were bad maybe this maybe that we're throwing out all of these possibilities because we only saw one symptom that sales were down. Uh-huh. We didn't really you know take the time to go to go deeper into all the what ifs. Well, is it somebody else's actions of another mm. store? Is it uh, something with the avocados? Is it something in the economy is you know have we suddenly decided that yuck avocados you know we like, that's the zooming out. But then I tell them, you also need to like zoom in and quite literally 
they did that. Well, you know, in Walmart, there's they have the cameras. And so they were able to literally zoom in in the produce department and determine what the issue was. And you'll never believe it. Tell me. The avocados hadn't been stocked in the produce section. They weren't available. At all. At all to even purchase. <laughs> They'd been left back in the stock room. Back in the back. So you can't <laughs> buy them if they're not there. <laughs> right? And so quite literally, they zoomed in on the camera and could then see. Figure it out. What the actual problem <sighs> was. With before, you know, but our our inclination is to start speculating about all the symptoms, right? Without really delving in to see what that problem is, right? And you know, I also use the example where, okay, well, you know, a symptom could be, think of, you know, well, a sneeze. Well, does a sneeze mean you're about to die? Does it mean you're, you know, you've changed temperatures in the room? You're just reacting? Does it mean you have allergies? Does it mean you have a cold? I mean, there's all these different things that a sneeze can mean. And so if we, you know, if we jump to the, the most severe um, conclusion, oh, well, you sneezed. Well, that must mean you're sick. You're about to die. We better fill you full of antibiotics. When really, oh, no, I just walked into a different room that was cooler and my body was reacting. Mm-hmm. Now we've treated the wrong problem. Mm-hmm. Or we've we haven't we, we've treated a symptom but we haven't really treated the problem mm-hmm. so it really didn't solve it right um and so that's yeah, what we want to get at how do we begin to even solve such if i zoom back out how do i solve the civil unrest that's going big huge global problem this isn't just racism in america there's racism in any culture in any part of the world at any time um, Wendy and I were were lamenting the fact that yes, there are um, horrific things going on with bad cops towards specific groups of people here in the United States. But over in the Philippines, there are homeless children who are orphans who are living on the streets and doing whatever literally it takes to survive. And I can lament all of the injustice in the world and I can just fall apart or I can be angry and want to loot something but neither of those are really going to solve the problem and so Wendy and I've been talking about going back and picking up what Tally um, the wisdom that she gave us a few podcasts ago bias we're, we're all going to have built-in bias, whether we realize it or want it to admit it, it's there. It's there from our ancestors, it's there from our upbringing, and it's there, it's there from, from our, our experiences. Yeah, and our community culture. Mm-hmm. And I, um, as I referenced, I taught in a predominantly African-American school, and one particular year I had an excellent teaching partner. He was the SPED teacher, the special education teacher. And so his students joined the general population, and he and I taught language arts together. Well, he was African-American. He was ex-military. He was, he didn't put up with any, any foolishness. And so we had no, we had zero discipline problems. But what was more important is 
he and I had a rapport that the students saw. We had a beautiful mixture, a very nice diversity in that class. We had Asian, Hispanic, African-American, and European descent children in that class. And so they saw the two of us as adults getting along, working together, and we addressed social issues because we taught language arts and social studies together. Mm -hmm. And we unpacked the symptoms and problems and outcomes of the Civil War. And we explored the early Harlem Renaissance in the Mm -hmm. 1930s Mm -hmm. with um, Langston Hughes. And um, so those of you that don't know that um, he was an African-American poet and he addressed racial injustice the lynchings that were happening thousands of lynchings happened a day in the south in the 20 the the 20s and the 30s it was it was that was a pandemic in in essence it was a it was a horrible time the jim crow era in our united states and and we talked about that that's fascinating because at the very same time in harlem was the development of early jazz music and swing dance and people from all different colors came to the the Savoy and the Cotton Club to sing, dance, play music, all of that together. And learn the, from each other. And learn from each other. And and just be in joy. Yes. To be in joy. And they were also curious about each other and their cultures. Um Yes, was there still a racial divide and was there segregation? Absolutely. But the black musicians brought jazz and the blues to the white culture and the white culture saw a whole new way of dancing. They were able to move beyond waltz and formal or Folks square taught. dances or, or, or uh, um, um, polkas or whatever. And now they have this very expressive way of dancing. Yeah. Lovely. It was like constant innovation. Mm-hmm. It's like the the best of of both musical and dance worlds came together at that point. They did, and and notice that it's two cultures coming together. Yeah, and working together. Um, and then then we unpacked um, this the civil rights era and Martin Luther King, and it was so it was so sweet. And those children, they were so innocent. They um, they didn't really understand Martin Luther King's I have a dream they thought he literally had a dream when he went to sleep and so we unpacked (laughs) his speech and we talked about that at length Um, and they wrote poetry and they made sculptures and they explored what it's like to live in a world that has racial tension but has solutions of love and kindness and that's what I want to come back to each time and when I think about what Tali taught us she said to be curious and to listen and that is one thing that Wendy and I want to bring to you we don't have a solution we're not God (laughs) he is the only one yeah I wouldn't want that pressure (laughs) who has who has the wisdom um, um, and whether you believe in God or not doesn't even matter but the point is is we know we don't have all the answers, but we have one basic, simple answer. We need to listen, and we need to be curious, and then from there, we need to be kind. And if we start doing that, then we can zoom in and start to solve this bigger problem. Yes, and, and even 
I would venture to say, before we can actually even begin to solve a problem, I think alluding to it before, first we need to understand. Mm -hmm. We really need to understand right now, again, all we're seeing is symptoms. There's, there's a problem that's been around since the beginning of time, mm -hmm. for, you know, or at least for a couple of centuries here in this country. Mm -hmm. And yet, do we really take the time to understand? And here's the other piece of that, is before we can even begin to understand, we have to create some space to be able to understand. To, or create space for understanding. Mm -hmm. And part of that looks like gathering additional perspectives, gathering insights, the being curious, mm -hmm. listening, but then also listening to yourself. Not what you've been taught, not what you've been told, not what you've been uh, brought up to believe, but listen to your higher self. What is, what is that message and that understanding that can come only to you through you? Mm -hmm. And what is your place in this world? Once you gain yeah. that understanding, once you get still and quiet with yourself, once you weed out all of the noise and figure out what it is that you believe and what solution you can bring to the problem. But that takes space, that, and that takes also our favorite word now. You have to curate that. That's not just going to happen unless you plan it, think about it, and then apply it. Intend for it to happen mm -hmm. requires action. Yeah, which brings us to our favorite part. So moments with your higher self. <laughs> So talk to us about what our idea, well, share with the listeners, because I'm pretty excited about this. And okay, let me back it up. Let me let me set up the story. Yes. So the other night we were in my front yard watering and we were um, some newly planted plants and, you know, we're just out in nature and out feeling the sunshine and the air. And um, we had both just cried over the civil unrest and and we were both saying oh what is going on and yeah. how are we going to solve this and should what do we, we do right and i'm should, scrambled up like eggs right <laughs> and should we address it in our podcast and at first we were going back and forth like no leave it alone no let's talk about it and then wendy said i just want to teach the world to dance <laughs> and then and then we did <laughs> <laughs> Well, and then, of course, I'm reminded of the song from, you know, back in the, what was it, 60s or 70s, I want to teach the world to sing. And then, of course, Coca-Cola, you know, turned that into their own theme song. <laughs> yes. Um, you know. <laughs> but thanks, what a great marketing. song. But yeah, just, <laughs> I want to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Mm -hmm. And in that harmony, let's, let's put some dance in there. So that's why Wendy said, I want to teach the world to dance yes and and so of course and I'm like thinking of all this these traditional dances and folk dances from you know from small tiny villages all over well the ones I learned were mostly in Europe but but there were many like every corner of the world had these dances yes 
that were danced by the community to create unity. And exactly. if you pick apart the word community, what is it? Calm unity with unity with unity exactly so we danced with unity we danced mm-hmm. in circles we danced in lines we danced with partners but generally in a giant circle where mm-hmm. there's no beginning and no end and the movements were fairly simple and we all connected hands in some way well this was pre corona but <laughs> <laughs> um, we we join hands and there's something so incredibly empowering and powerful about moving in synchronicity with everyone around you. And that was um, to experience that was the most, uh, it was life-changing for me. Mm -hmm. And here's what's fascinating. She's talking about um, uh, several things here, but also what we realized when she said, I want to teach the world to dance. She said, we should do a a specific Israeli dance. And she starts describing it. She starts to describe the music, the song, the words, the movement. And I realized I did that dance myself. In the late 80s, I was part of a a liturgical dance group, Um, so I went to an Episcopal church at that point in my life, and we joined forces with a dance group at the local synagogue in North Dallas, and we went to their synagogue, and we danced this dance. They came to our church, and they danced the dance with us in, um, in our sanctuary, and I remember at the time... There was some type of discord going on. There was some upheaval within society. This is sometime in the late 80s. Another recession. (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember now what it was. There were some racial problems, tension going on. I want to say it was something there was, and I know I remember now, it was something, some discord, some, some... some peaceful protests that that turned out to be not so peaceful in downtown Dallas, and the the commissioner at the time was stirring up some civil unrest. And so both our church and this Jewish community decided we wanted to to bring people together in unity and in peace as a way of coming up with a solution. Yeah, because when we're at peace and in peace. We we're can more think, pro- we can think straight, right? We're more productive, and so if if listeners, if you remember what what Tali talked about, is that when you're constantly dealing in the flight or fight mode, the amygdala is what kicks in in your brain, and then you can't do any irrational thinking because your brain has now been told fight or flight, survive, right? And so all of the deep thinking goes on in the frontal cortex, but that is paralyzed when you're in fight or flight. And so if you think about the people that are choosing to protest in a peaceful way, in an organized manner, they are thinking logically with the frontal cortex. And then the people that are following them with the riots and the looting, unfortunately, they are thinking out of flight, fight, or survival, and out of anger. And we get that, and there's lots to be angry about, but violence is not a solution. 
It's and another symptom. It's another symptom. And so let's come together. Wendy and I, you're going to see on, on, the, on our webpage, you're going to see the two of us dancing this beautiful dance. And you might not be a dancer. We know that. And neither was any of the people that danced this originally, <laughs> you know. And one thing we noticed on our retreat back in the fall is we, we ended the retreat. We ended our time together with a dance that Wendy taught us, simple, simple steps. And at first, the, our participants at the retreat, some of them admitted later, they were very reluctant. Their brain went into, <laughs> no, I don't want to dance. But then once they had the ease of it, they saw that it was simple and it was fun. And we circled up and it brought unity and closure they admitted, oh. Now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to help you get it. And there's really a cool story behind the dance that we want to dance. Um, for me, way back in college, I was introduced to this dance. Uh, it was an Israeli dance uh, called Manavu. And it's based on, in Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them, that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace. Mm -hmm. So for you listeners, take some time to hear the words of the song that we're going to play, and then pop over to our, our episode post page, and you can see us dancing. So bring some good tidings. Publish some peace we in your life. We hope you've been uplifted by this Find episode. positive, Please help thoughtful, us aware things by sharing, to think about, subscribing, to talk about, and reviewing our show. Come up with Join in on the conversation but start by adding your the insights and be transformations in the comments Listen section. And be kind. See you next time. And with that, dear listeners, have a beautiful day. <laughs>